When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is April 11th, and this is the Bruins Beat, presented by FanDuel on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And we are less than a week away from the start of the NHL playoffs, which means the Bruins Cup pursuit, the one we've been waiting for all season long, will begin uh, next week. And before we dive into um, uh, the first round matchups, and we did potential playoff matchups on Poke the Bear last week. Uh, this episode, Connor Ryan and I dove into the biggest questions surrounding the Bruins entering the playoffs. Obviously, they are nasty. They are the best team in the league by far, but there's still a lot of questions. Uh, some of them big, some of them small. Uh, every team, by the way, has questions, but uh, we dove into the ones uh, that could impact the Bruins the most and could mean the most. Uh, and we get into stuff from the goaltending to potential matchups to the power play. We got into everything in this episode. Um, so without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan, presented by FanDuel. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It is uh, getting to be that time of the year that we love. It is early to mid-April where the weather starts to get nice and the marathon's coming and the best part butter of it all pecan, butter pecan is coming back to Duncan. That must be, oh, that's, that that's must what you're going to say, right? Well, this is just where I was going. You took oh, the words, okay. you stole, Sorry. you took the words, stole them right out of my mouth, Sorry. right out. So, but that's okay. I'll let you have the butter pecan from dunks. Um, I know you were excited. Charlie Coyle was holding the dunks iced coffee in that bleacher report. Uh, in the bleacher report graphic they put up uh, when the Bruins hit 63 wins. On Sunday, um, I just love the home, and they also loved how they had Matt Grizzlick riding the Zamboni. That's a pretty good homage. It was actually that. pretty good. I also liked that they David Pasternak didn't look like a like oil prospector antagonist from like a 1910 film anymore. There was that one graphic they had where he like he looked like Jonathan Frakes. It was very odd. Yes, a court drawing. We're glad he didn't look yes. like a court drawing. Uh, yes, but any but uh, exciting stuff. But uh, the biggest thing of this time of year, not just butter pecan from dunks, uh, but the Bruins playoffs are in a week, a week. We don't know the start date yet. I know there's some confusion because Jim Montgomery in a quote said April 17th. That's when the playoffs start as a whole. It could start Marathon Monday, but it also could be Tuesday. We'll kind of get more information on that uh, throughout this week. Uh, but. One thing we do know is the Bruins will go in as the favorite. <laughs> There's no doubt in anyone's mind they will go in as uh, the favorite. Uh, that doesn't mean, though, Connor, that there aren't questions. There are not. There are lots of questions still surrounding this Bruins team. Um, and we have, I would say, six, maybe seven 
big questions that are going to kind of face the Bruins and face them throughout the entirety of the playoffs. Um, and we'll start here because I think this is one that people still are asking. I think their success this season uh, has overrided it a little bit, but I still think it's kind of in the back of people's minds. There's been a lot of heartbreak from the Bruins in the playoffs the last, let's say, 10 years. You go back to 2013, Stanley Cup, 2014. That team was a wagon. They're obviously not on the same track as this team. They're not as big of a wagon as this team, but they were a wagon, bounced in the second round. 15, 16, 17 were pretty irrelevant years. Then you get to, you know, 18, 19, they lose the cup. 20, their president's trophy, they lose in the bubble. 21, they lose to the Islanders for some reason uh, in the second round. And then last year, they're bounced in the first round to the Hurricanes. So they are they have not been the most reliable playoff team uh, of recent years. How much should people be worried about that? And does it does that apply to this team? That's the question everyone's asking. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Bruins fans uh, are well within their rights to, I think, view most, most things with a bit of... Uh... Uh, pessimism, I, I guess, as you said, you, you map out their history and yeah, there's a lot that has gone wrong for this team. So it almost feels like um, beyond the fact that we've had multiple times this year, people have like added in the, the comment of like, well, they got to win the cup, make the season worth it, which yes, we, we are very much aware of that. But I think even the most rational Bruins fan just has that, that, that gut feeling uh, of like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, so far it hasn't been the case, but it's also something where I think you look at this Bruins team and how they've been able to fight through adversity. And you look at a team that is so far ahead of everyone else in the standings. Yes. Maybe they haven't had to scrap for a final playoff spot or what have you, but I think you look at the number of third period comebacks this team has had the uh, injuries early on this year. I think people even kind of overlooked that they've just, you know, taken in the last two, three months of just how great this team has been. But I think all of us, even, you know, you and I, Evan, when we were looking at this team back in the fall, we had high expectations of this team. I think we both had them winning the cup, but this was also a team that we were all like, "Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get get hot, get healthy, and go on a run." But like, I'm gonna say they're two games over 500 at the end of November, right? Like, we pretty much mapped that out for them to, to fight through that kind of adversity to have so many guys contribute. Um, again, I, I think you look at uh, the way this team's going right now. It either has to be injuries or just a you know, severe mismatch in terms of fast four checking team like Carolina or like a, a grind out team like the Islanders, something like that. It has to be just a way a certain team matches up and neutralizes the Bruins as opposed to I think there's this overriding flaw that um, is going to be the main reason why this this kind of miraculous season is going to get derailed. It's hard not to think about past years because it's, you know, obviously it's a new coach, new goalies. You know, obviously last year they had Swayman and Olmark, but, you know, from 19 and the years before new goalie, like you have a, a lot of new players. You still have, you know, the same core, but the reason I I'm not overly concerned with past years, obviously we're all thinking about it, but one of the reasons is, and this is a reason, this is an answer to future questions that we'll ask as well is depth. They have the depth, right? You think about any situation, a defenseman goes down, you have guys who can fill in. Um, if Olmark isn't playing well, which we'll get to in a second, you have Jeremy Swayman um, up front. You know, we'll get to David Krejci in a bit. Uh, Krejci goes down. You have Pavel's not like you have a lot of backup options that are not backups. They are for a lot of teams. They would be legitimate things. So uh, to me, it's depth. 
They have depth that they didn't have in past years. Um, and there's a morale around this team that they also, you know, that's even been elevated even more. So I think the depth is the biggest piece because the East is ridiculously hard. This is not yes. like this is not an easy path. This this is not shaping up to be 2019, at least yet. You know, obviously we didn't know going into 2019 playoffs that the Lightning would be swept in the first round. Hopefully that's not the Bruins. Um, but the the road is not easy. This is not like, oh, it's gonna be a cakewalk through the East. It's not like the Bruins are out west. Uh, there's a lot of hard teams there, but again, they're built um, with depth, which again leads me to my next question. We've talked about this all year in the goaltending category, but Linus Olmark has never played this much. Um, doesn't play a lot of games in a row. And the typical thing, as everyone knows for the playoffs, is you play every game if you're the goalie. You don't switch off. And that seems to be the thing here. And the question is, can Linus Olmark carry the Bruins through the playoffs? Will they need Swayman at all? So I think, can Omar carry this team? Well, I think you just look at his body of work this year. And I think this is something we've touched on multiple times. As you said, I think before this season, his previous career high for starts was, I think, 41. I think that was last year. So if we were in a point during this regular season where Omar, you know, hit a lull of like three, four poor games in a row and was really kind of falling off and needed some some time to rest and recuperate, which – would have been expected for, again, a guy that hasn't had that many reps before and for a, a sport that or a position that's so tough to maintain that consistency like goaltending over the long season. If he hit that stretch, uh wouldn't be surprising, but it would be something to keep in the back of your mind. But where has there really been one of those stretches, right? The only like thing that has really impacted the Bruins' goalie rotation has just been Swayman also playing at a very high level as well. It's not like they've been trading or – Swayman has stepped up when Olmark's taken a step back. So I, I, I think when you look at it, uh, it is one of those main things I think people are still talking about is whether or not they keep a, a goalie rotation for the playoffs, which if there's any team that can probably pull it off, it's this team concerning just about everything has gone right. But I still think when you look at, you know, how Olmark has played all season long, really hasn't taken a step back and has, you know, pretty much established himself as that Vezina front runner. You know, Jim Montgomery, I think, always talks about, you know, instilling confidence in players and keeping them focused on the task at hand. I think for, you know, Omar, in terms of getting that that starting spot and staying in that, I think that's kind of the best way you can echo that confidence and keeping him locked into the moment. And if things go south, if, you know, it's a situation kind of like a few years ago with the Penguins where they open the year with Flurry in the playoffs, doesn't work out, and all of a sudden they switch things around, right, then – Maybe that's how you know, Swimming gets back into it. But I, I think right now you look at just how good he's been all year long. I don't think you've seen anything that can disprove that Hallmark is the guy once you get to the playoffs and that grind really starts ramping up. Yeah, there just hasn't been any uh, faults in his game this year. He's been too good yeah. to think that he would just completely uh, shrivel down in the playoffs. And I think that's one of the biggest things uh, with him. I, I get I just like, you know, he's the front-running Vesna candidate. I don't know, like, you know... Yeah, could he fall? Could he falter? Yeah, of course. But as I said, there's Swayman there uh, to pick things up if that's the case. Um, but again, Hallmark has had just uh, such a terrific season, and I don't really see that changing in the playoffs. I don't see the Bruins losing because of it. But as we said all throughout the year, that's the one area that is playoff untested. That is not, you know, that is, you know, you know, Patrice Bergeron and. You know, the forward core is going to show up in the playoffs. You know, uh, defensively, McAvoy has been through long runs and Grizzlick and Carlo and those guys. Now, Omar has not, and neither is Swayman. Uh, last year was just one round. So, um, but again, I still think there's a reason to be confident 
in that. Third question, and this is one we touched on uh, on Poke the Bear on Saturday. Um, will Brad Marchand find his game? Jim Montgomery talked a lot about uh, over the past week. You know, he's been more focused on setting other guys up. He's still been producing. He still had the assists. I know the goalless drought has been, uh, you know, unfortunate and something that, you know, we talked about. But um, do you think Brad Marchand finds his game in the playoffs? Because I got to be honest, Connor, uh, it's hard to bet against a guy like Marchand. It's hard to think that he is uh, not going to show up. Um, it is, you know, he's a big playoff performer. And my guess is he finds his game uh, in some form or fashion in the playoffs. And I, I think the depth helps them in that regard as well. Yeah, I, you know, you it's a testament to, I think, a guy like Marshan that, you know, for a guy who's coming off that kind of surgery to even, you know, still be a guy that's, what's he on pace for, over 60 points, still a guy that outside of just like that scoring, which has dried up a bit, he's still someone that is great on the penalty kill, is great in all situations, is a bit of a spark plug out there. So he still brings value if he's not scoring. That being said, you like to see just more of that production. I, I think that game on Saturday against the Devils was a, a step in the right direction. Um, I mean, he had what, I think it was five or six shots on goal was really aggressive. It was a little bit more of a shot first mentality. And again, I think when he's at his best, especially this year, it's when he is setting up guys, but I think you do hit a point where, um, you have to be a little bit more assertive with the puck. There's been plenty of other past first guys who have had a stretch where they kind of take a more forward approach, a more, you know, shot heavy approach. We've got a guy like Charlie Coyle. Uh, you know, there's been times this year where I think he's, you know, probably most comfortable setting up teammates and and possessing the puck. But you see during these little stretches of the year where he's kind of seen his offensive game grow a good amount. It's been him kind of taking that initiative and getting more pucks on that. So, uh, yeah, Marchand, the, the, the eye test really hasn't been there uh, this year. That's something that I think he's kind of been very upfront and candid about in terms of not being fully recovered from that hip surgery, which given the severity of it, is not much of a surprise, uh, but he is still someone that can impact the game beyond the score, beyond the score sheet. And you, I think you look at just how he's played these last couple of games. He's probably one of the few guys that isn't just kind of coasting through these, these final games of the season. He seems like he's really trying to work out uh, his game, uh, you know, get another goal to look at. Wouldn't be surprised if he plays these last two games because, well, it's just getting more power play reps and just, you know, firing pucks on that. I think he just needs that one power play goal, that that one uh, chance to go his way to try to just get that monkey off your back and get that confidence building for the playoffs. He's a guy that I think, you know, builds off of his confidence and he's usually in no short supply uh, of confidence when he's out there. So I think for him, it's all about kind of just getting back on that score sheet and getting back to his game, which I think he's shown that over these last couple of uh, regular season matchups. Yeah, I'm not overly worried about Marshan in that sense. Um, and again, I think it just goes back to, you know, and you mentioned it a little bit there and I mentioned it earlier, depth. Depth matters. Like, even if that first line is shut down in some form or fashion, you have the second line that's a scoring threat. You have the third line that's a scoring threat. Um, and I, I, to me, it just goes back to uh, you have those other options. And again, Marshan is just, uh, you know, we know what Marshan is. Obviously, the 2019 Cup Final, um, you know, is a, is an outlier, but you know, the rest of the time as a playoff former, he's a, he's a legitimate piece. Before we dive into Bruins stuff, Connor, uh, Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac wins the national championship, two out of three from new England in the last three national championships. So impressive stuff. Hell of an ending to that game. My goodness. Unbelievable. Incredible. 10 seconds in, um, set playoff a face off. 
That's you know what I look. I'm biased because of UMass and the way that they've built up their program and seeing uh, them win in uh, 2021. I always love to see a program that's, you know, not as prominent, take away a win. Um, and it was cool to see that uh, on, uh, on, on uh, Saturday night. I know it's an older team. I know people are always like, I, 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 uh, I quote tweeted or I retweeted Mark Divers good tweet about how, you know, Quinnipiac doesn't have the big TV deals that Minnesota does and this and that. And like all the replies were like, well, they're so much older. And it's like, you know, like so are most college hockey teams. Also, that's what most teams are. Like that's people, how many teams are actually anchored by like a crew of younger players? It's I I almost think like the best recipe is either like a team built entirely or, you know, primarily out of older players, seniors and juniors, or it's got to be a mix still very heavy on upperclassmen with like, you need to be like the 2003 Syracuse team of like a good team and a young freshman like Carmelo Anthony that puts you over the top, right? Like yes. you, you can't just win off of just even uh, be you this be you this year. I know I, you get to the Frozen Four. Like to me, that was a perfect blend of you know ton of seniors, ton of upperclassmen, and then a guy like Hudson who like helps you put you over the top. That's like what the formula is like. Yes, that's the formula. And at UMass in 2021, they were a team full of, you know, really good upperclassmen seniors, and they were still missing guys like Kale McCarr and Mario Ferraro, but they also had some good younger talent. It was infused together, good goaltending. They won the whole thing. So again, I think that's the the recipe. I know the Big Ten now, that's two straight years where they've had these um, really super teams. You know, Super teams, prospect heavy teams like Minnesota and Michigan. And, you know, they get to the Frozen Four, but they just come up a little bit short. Really good teams really good teams and they've had some good seniors, but it's just not to the level of teams like Quinnipiac um, or UMass a few years ago. Uh, so it's good to see a new team kind of uh, take hold of the college hockey world. So uh, props to them for that. Shout out um, the Bobcats. Shout out the Bobcats. Good to see Connecticut, by the way, state of Connecticut. What a, what a month UConn. And now this Quinnipiac. So, wow. Mayor Parkway still sucks, but you know, <laughs> hat tip, hat tip to Connecticut. We'll give them this. We'll give them this. Yes. Here you go. Here you go. Um, Moving right along. Fourth question. The power play. We have done a lot on the power play this year. I think everybody has. Um, And it's the big thing. You know, will the power play show up? How much of a difference will it make um, come the postseason? I do think power plays matter. I don't, you know, I know we mentioned 2011 all the time. Games changed a little bit. You do want to gain those. You do want to kind of get advantages wherever you can, just like how we talk about getting the advantage uh, when you match lines. You would like to capitalize on a power play every now and again. Um, And I go back to, they have the personnel. It's not like they're missing guys. You know, it's like, oh man, you know, if only they had Pasternak or if only they had someone like, uh, you know, uh, Marshand or DeBrusque in front of that. They have all of that. It just comes down to making the pieces fit together. The question is, Will they fit together in the postseason? Yeah, it's something that's almost kind of tough to gauge because you're at the point of the season where you're sitting guys out, so you're not getting a full complement of these players. Um, I think the Bruins are probably encouraged by how it's how the power plays looked the last couple of weeks, um, especially that second unit, which that'll be an interesting discussion once we get to the actual playoffs in terms of like how much they're allocating those minutes because usually it's the second power play unit's getting what. 30 seconds of most of uh, sustained power play time during these opportunities. So um, you've seen a lot of good stuff from them. I think having Taylor Hall back and where he kind of fits into that equation does help out quite a bit because I think you look at a lot has not really gone right for the power play, but I think one issue that keeps on popping up is struggling to gain the blue line, get clean entries. And I think having a guy like Hall out there who can 
kind of be a cheat code in terms of just how good he is through the neutral zone, how good he is at setting, uh, you know, those, those entries up uh, that will help out a great deal. But I think you're at the point now where, you know, Montgomery, I think kind of discussed this over the weekend that you almost still have to have faith in, in these guys that have been out there. It's not like this is a overhauled unit, still the same cast of characters of, you know, Bergeron and Pasternak and Martian, those guys that you hope it just breaks through and they execute in crunch time. But uh, I would not be surprised if they continue to tinker with that a little bit because whether it's Lindholm up top or, you know, Hall at the net front on the first power play unit or what have you, there still needs to be some things that I think tighten up some of those areas. Cause I think you're seeing it, even though it's been an extended stretch, it's been two or three, just the same things over and over again that keeps on plaguing them, whether it's indecisiveness with moving the puck entries, things like that. So it is something worth monitoring because I, I I think Montgomery isn't necessarily fretting over, you know, the personnel he has out there, but it's one thing to have the team in place, another to have it be executed at a high clip once you get to the playoffs. It's also tough because it's hard to just find your game like that in the playoffs. You know, you're facing a team that you're facing, you know, four to seven times. They have done extensive video work on you. Um, nobody's bad. You're not just exposing it. You know, you're, you're not playing, you know, the, the Montreal Canadians, uh, you're playing a good team. You're playing them four to seven times. And as I said, they've done a lot of game planning and they can find those little areas that they can exploit on the power play, uh, to kind of, uh, you know, shut it off. So it's going to be difficult to, for them to kind of find it. I know I meant, you know, I mentioned they have the guys there. They do. Uh, but as you said, it not an easy thing to find this time of year. Um, which will be kind of a difficult thing uh, for them to do. Speaking of another thing that is not, um, it's kind of up in the air. Uh, the health of David Krejci uh, didn't play this weekend, uh, has been in and out of the lineup uh, for the past couple weeks, it feels like. Um, I, I, this is where I go to depth as well, because you know having Krejci is the main thing. You want to have David Krejci, you want him healthy, you want him playing between Zaka and Pasternak. Um, I don't, Think it's a terrible thing though if you did have to go to if you had to keep Bertuzzi, Zaka, and Pasternak if Krejci can't get back because that line's been terrific. And Bertuzzi is a guy, by the way, that I think you and I are going to do a lot on um, once the season's over. Of hey, how do you keep this guy? Like how do you, how do you make this thing work? Because he's not too bad. Um, but how big is it? Um, and and where do you think Krejci stands right now, health wise? Yeah. Uh... I think you look at the way the Bruins are approaching. It seems like they're just, you know, intent on giving him the rest of this week off, which makes sense. And last time Montgomery gave an update said that uh, whatever Krejci's dealing with, he still has a lot of soreness. So lower body injury, um, we're going to give him, I think, all the time he needs. And again, I, I think when this team is at its best, it's when you have Krejci down the middle and you have these really talented guys uh, like a Bertuzzi further down the lineup. Um, but I think, as you said, is it like a uh, a thing that's going to decide this playoff run if Craig's not at 100%? No. Again, none of these guys are at 100% right now. Even if, you know, they're they're no longer on the injury report, all these guys are nursing something. We'll find out all that stuff once this run finally ends. We have breakup day. But I think you look at just the way that uh, this team is set up. At the very least, the Bruins have options. It's the same with, like, um, Olmark and Swimming. Like, if Olmark is at a high level – you're at your best. But if things go south and a lot can go south during a playoff run, whether it's Swimman being the backup there or if it's Zaka who's stepped in and been very, very good at that 2C spot when Bertuzzi's also been up there, the Bruins at least have options out there. And that's a testament to, I think, the t- way this team is built that 
compared to a few years ago, if like, you know, Omar, you know, if your Vezina Trophy winner wasn't playing at a high level, kind of up the creek. If David Krejci is, is banged up and not playing at a high level, you don't really have a lot of centers to turn to. And, uh, you know, the Bruins, almost like they've looked at their past postseason failures and have found various contingency plans to avoid those situations. So, of course, you want David Krejci healthy and good to go, but the Bruins at the very least have other uh, manners to, to keep driving play in that top six spot. I mean, you just look at even last year, right? Halla gets hurt as a second line center. Who do you turn to? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is there? And you look at, you know, past years, you know, Rask gets hurt. You're going to Halak, who, you know, nice backup during the season, reliable, good to split time with. But I don't think anyone ever was, you know, oh, Halak is, you know, you can still win a cup with Halak. You know, I think things have changed a lot um, on that front. As you said, it's like they they analyzed it. They went back and said, hmm, what's what's hurting us? What's plaguing us? And they changed those things. They got backup plans for them, which is not a bad idea. Good idea to do. Some other teams should definitely think about doing that because um, I think it, it's it's worked out well for the Bruins this year so far. Um, the final question, this is the, the big question. This is the question everyone is wondering, even more so than the history, which is why it's our last on our uh, list. We made you listen all the way to get to this point. Um, who is beating the Bruins four times in seven games? Who is the team going to be if there is one? Because um, as I look at the East, it's very tough, right? The Maple Leafs present their challenges. The Lightning uh, do as well. Then you get to uh, the you know, conference final and you have uh, the Hurricanes or the Rangers or the Devils. Devils getting Luke Hughes now, by the way, which is a huge addition to that back end. I think he's going to be a guy who comes in and I hate to do this, Connor, has a Kale McCarr-like effect, you know, who comes in and can immediately play and jump in and, and have an impact. Um and I, but the the Bruins have been so good that they've they really haven't even had a like a big slump this year, and they've been good. And they, I don't feel like there's any team that can beat them four times in seven. Um, is there any team that you, I don't want to say could see because there's many teams I could see. I mean, that like mm-hmm. it, it could happen. Um, but is there any team that who's the biggest threat? Uh, we'll go with that. Who's the biggest? Yeah. Threat? I mean, I, I think the one that always sticks out to me is just Carolina, just based on the way they play and the foot tracking pressure they they present. Um, that's a team that has had their number for a couple of years now. And still, I think when they're playing at their best, Carolina, they give problems to any team, even a team as poised uh, as the Bruins. So that one, I think, stands at the forefront. If you look at like just the way a team is built, I think when you, it's what we talked about before, it's teams that can excel at countering uh opponents with high-end skill off of just boring low-event hockey and a great goaltender that can that can steal a series, right? I think that's what it comes down to. So whether it's, you know, Tampa's not maybe the Tampa of years past, but Vasilevsky's still playing at a high level. That's why I think we say ideally the Bruins avoid the Islanders. I think the Bruins should win that series, but Sorokin can go out there and have a 42-save victory in game two at the garden everyone's all of a sudden like oh okay like that's just what a guy like Sorokin can do over the span of a series you look at a team like Dallas that plays heavy and has a guy like Jake Ottinger who can steal you a couple of games like there's I think those are the kind of teams that you have to watch out for uh the only other one that would stand out to me uh, and this is getting very far down the line but like if you play the Oilers and just McDavid goes sicko mode like that team does not have that team has a lot of flaws in its roster but if it takes a uh, you know, 20 point series from McDavid to do it. Like that can be one where it's just, you know, it'd be uh, 
brutal timing for the Bruins to just be on the opposite, you know, the receiving end of just like an all-time performance. But there's a team that can do it. It's probably the the team anchored by the best player since Gretzky, a guy who's, you know, put up 150 points this year. So it's almost like you run through it. And it's a testament to just how tough it is to to win the cup and, and map these things out. Cause we're talking about arguably the best team assembled in the Bruins based on just how they played this year. And there's multiple ways that they can still lose. Like they should be favorite, but whether it's a team like the Oilers or the, or hurricanes or a drag out team like the Islanders, every team they face is going to present a hurdle for this team. Um, and again, they've kind of answered every test that has come their way, but it's going to be a grind. It always is. Or even Vegas. Like, yeah, you have your former coach who's there, who knows the weaknesses of this team and can, you know, figure obviously the team plays a little bit differently this year, but it, he knows the tendencies. He knows how to shut this team down. Um, so that's another one. And you look at, you know, obviously, you know, one other team is the Rangers, the Rangers on paper, yeah. you can make an argument are the best team on paper, at least just name recognition. I know Patrick Haynes had a bad year and Tarasenko is very wishy-washy, but like, just like name recognition, you can make an argument that they are, are the best team. I'm not saying they are, but you make an argument for it. You know, you also have Shesterkin in that. And so you, you know, you have good promising young blue liners um, too. So that's another team. And that's why, again, I say like the East is not easy. We're not saying the Bruins are favorites because the, the, the road is easy. We're saying it because the Bruins are just so damn good. Um, but you're right. I mean, yeah, if you play the Islanders in round one, the Rangers or the Devils in round two, or excuse me, um, the Maple Leafs or the, um, or the lightning. Uh, lightning in round two, or, uh, you know, the Devils, Hurricanes, Rangers in round three, like that's a wicked hard road to the cup. Um, but again, this team's built to do it. We think this team is built to do it. And I think both people, I think everyone knows where we both stand on whether or not we think the Bruins will win the cup. I think everyone knows that we're sticking with those preseason predictions. We're not, we're not jumping off that now. Uh, no way. Uh, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at uh, boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we're going to have you covered every step of the way. We're getting to the point now where we're working on a few, you know, season uh, lookbacks at some of the top moments of the regular season. There's been no shortage of those. So we're working on quite a, a few, few projects about that. Yes, quite a few. Uh, breaking down Pasternak's 60-goal season. It's almost been lost in the shuffle of uh, Pasternak just casually adding 60 goals. Uh, I was thinking, actually, they signed him. I was thinking, by the way, as we were talking at the end there, the last question, I was like, I don't think we've mentioned David Pasternak's name once in this whole show, uh, which is unfortunate. Yeah, 60 but... goals. Pretty Not good. a lot of questions surrounding Pretty him. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, thank goodness the Bruins signed him to that contract because imagine if they just still waited and he just went on this heater, especially to end the year. Yes. Not bad for a guy that's known for his turnovers. Um, yeah. The only yeah. he stopped turning the puck over, Connor. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, exactly. Terrible signing. Uh, Ew, awful. But uh, we'll break that down. Break down, obviously, first-round matchups once we get a better picture of that. And then every step away this cup run, we're going to have you covered with game stories, uh, features, columns, breakdowns, all that good stuff over at boston.com so please read over there and if you want to follow me on twitter you can at connor ryan underscore 93 go do all that and subscribe to new england hockey journal lots coming up there tournaments showcases uh, look backs at the prep in the high school season college stuff uh, so lots going on over there as well and that's this week's bruins beat i'm evan marinovsky bruins beat listeners have a great rest of your week mm-hmm.